Chapter Nineteen of the Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong, the Factory Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. Chapter Nineteen, A Voyage of Discovery, a plain statement leading to the conviction that even where ignorance is not bliss, knowledge is not always happiness. A hasty friendship that may, nevertheless, prove lasting. To order the carriage and to give Mrs. Tremlett notice that she wished her to make all speed in preparing to accompany her in it was to Miss Brotherton the work of a moment. As the business she was upon might, however, take some hours, she urged her old friend to eat luncheon as if certain of having no dinner, and, having given time for this and interrogated her coachman concerning distance and so forth, the hopeful animated girl sprung into her carriage as the clock struck two determined not to re-enter her mansion till she had lost some portion of the ignorance which had of late so cruelly tormented her the roads were good and by the help of a short bait miss brotherton and her companion reached fairly turnpike a little after four here she made inquiries for the residence of mr bell and having learned in what direction she should find it repeated the instructions to her coachman and bade him drive on are the horses to be put up there ma'am demanded the coachman Yes no james not there i suppose that is not at the clergyman's house but of course you will be able to find some place quite near you know and william must wait no not to wait but come back as soon as he knows where you put up that i may send for you when i am ready to these not over clear instructions james answered yes ma'am and drove off in obedience to the directions received at the toll-bar the carriage soon left the high road and proceeded down a grassy lane which harvest carts for the time had rolled into smoothness less than a quarter of a mile of this brought the wanderers to another turning that in five minutes placed them before the gates of an edifice the aspect of which made mary pull the check-string that looks like a parsonage house does it not said miss brotherton and before mrs tremlett could answer william had already opened the door and let down the steps it was very easy to get out and very easy to inquire if mr bell were at home but when answered in the affirmative miss brotherton felt that it was not very easy to decide in what manner to explain the cause of her visit to the object of it she had by no means settled this point to her satisfaction when the door of a small parlour lined with books was opened to her and she found herself in the presence of the gentleman she had so unceremoniously come to visit there was much in the countenance of mr bell to reassure a more timid spirit than that of mary brotherton nevertheless she stood before him for a minute or two in some embarrassment not so much from fear of himself as of herself did she fail to make him at once understand the motive of her inquiries he could not avoid thinking both them and herself impertinent and this consciousness caused a much brighter glow than usual to mantle her cheeks as she stood before him with her eyes fixed timidly and almost beseechingly on his face although miss brotherton had not quite the easy and tant soit peu assured air of a woman of fashion there was enough in her appearance to indicate her claim to observance as well as admiration and mr bell opened the conversation by earnestly requesting that she would sit down his aspect had done much towards giving her courage and his voice did more you are very kind sir said she to receive so courteously a stranger who has in truth no excuse whatever to offer for thus intruding on you nevertheless i am greatly tempted to hope that if i can succeed in making you understand the object of my visit you will forgive the freedom of it and i returned mr bell smiling am greatly tempted to believe that let the object of this visit be what it may i must always feel grateful to it is there anything my dear young lady that i can do to serve you 
there is indeed mr bell she replied with great earnestness of voice and manner i am come to you for instruction though you do not know me you probably may know the place at which i live my name is mary brotherton and my house is called milford park certainly miss brotherton both your name and that of your residence are known to me on what subject can i give you any information that may be useful circumstances mr bell have lately directed my attention to a subject which my own situation in life as well as the neighbourhood in which i live ought to have long ago made thoroughly familiar to me such is not the case however i am profoundly and i fear shamefully ignorant respecting the large and very important class of our population employed in the factories i am in possession of a large fortune wholly amassed from the profits obtained by my father from this species of labour and i cannot but feel great interest in the welfare and prosperity of the people employed in it especially as i understand a very large proportion of them are young children and moreover that from some cause or other which i can by no means understand the whole class of the factory people as i hear them called are spoken of with less kindness and respect by those who have grown rich upon their industry than any other description of human beings whatever i am told sir that it would be unsafe improper and altogether wrong were i to attempt making myself personally acquainted with them as i would wish to do and having accidentally mr bell heard your name mentioned as a person who took an interest in their concerns i have come to you thus unceremoniously in the hope that you would have the kindness to give me more accurate information on the subject than i have found it possible to obtain elsewhere mr bell who had placed himself immediately opposite to her looked in her young face and listened to her earnest voice as she spoke with the deepest attention it soon became sufficiently clear that he considered not this intrusion as requiring apology but that on the contrary his very heart and soul were moved by her words he paused for a moment after she had ceased speaking as if unwilling to interrupt her by his reply but when he found that she remained silent he said the subject on which you are come to converse with me my dear miss brotherton is assuredly the very last i should have expected to hear named by a young lady in your position for it is one from which the rich and great of our district turn away with loathing and contempt yet is it the one of all others to which i would if possible direct their best attention involving as it does both their interest and their duty beyond any other but i fear i cannot enter upon it without wounding many prejudices which of necessity you must have imbibed and proving to you that much which doubtless you have been educated to consider right is on the contrary most lamentably wrong can you bear this my dear young lady i hope i could in a search after truth mr bell even if my mind were in the condition you suppose replied mary but this is not the case you will not have to remove many false impressions i think it is the total absence of all knowledge on the subject which i am bold enough to ask you to remedy and most willingly will i endeavour to do so to the very best of my ability replied mr bell but to me it is a beguiling subject and if i detain you too long you must tell me so fear not replied mary smiling i shall be more willing to hear than you to speak you are of course aware miss brotherton resumed the clergyman that the large proportion of young labourers to whom you have just alluded are calculated to amount in yorkshire and lancashire alone to upwards of two hundred thousand is it possible exclaimed mary alas mr bell you must not think that of course i know anything had you named two thousand as the number my surprise would have been less 
but so it is miss brotherton above two hundred thousand young creatures including infants among them counting only five years of life are thus employed in the counties i have named and they surely form a class which both from their numbers and their helplessness are entitled to english sympathy and protection unquestionably cried mary eagerly i always feel that the labouring poor have great and unceasing claims upon the sympathy and assistance of the rich but this claim must be equally great i should suppose amongst all the labouring classes is it not mr bell i feel it difficult to answer your question by a negative he replied because taken in its broadest sense it most assuredly demands an affirmative nevertheless it is unquestionably true that at this moment there is no race of human beings in any portion of the known world the most wretched of negro slaves not excepted miss brotherton who require the protection and assistance of their happier fellow-creatures in the same degree as the young creatures employed in our factories miss brotherton looked at him not doubtingly but with considerable surprise and timidly replied but the negro slave mr bell has no choice left him he is the property of his master neither has the factory child a choice miss brotherton he too is a property nor is it the least horrible part of the evil which noiselessly has grown out of this tremendous system that the beings whom nature has ordained throughout creation to keep watch and ward over the helpless weakness of an infant life are driven by it to struggle with and trample down the holiest and dearest of human ties even the love of a parent for its offspring picture to yourself a bleak winter's morning miss brotherton when the mother of factory children must be up hours and hours before the sun to rouse her half-rested little ones and nervously watching her rude clock till the dreaded moment comes must shake the little creatures whose slumber the very beast of the field might teach her to watch over and guard till they awake and starting in terror from their short sleep ask if the hour be come the wretched mother and the wretched child then vie with each other in their trembling haste to seize the tattered milk-clothes and to put them on the mother dreads the fine of one quarter of the infant's daily wages which would be levied should it arrive but a minute too late and the poor child dreads the strap which in addition is as surely the punishment for delay miss brotherton i have seen with my own eyes the assembling of some hundreds of factory children before the still unopened doors of their prison-house while the lingering darkness of a winter's night had yet to last three hours i shall never forget one bitter morning last january twelvemonth the last piteous summons from a dying parishioner had left me no choice but to exchange my pillow for the bitter biting blast of howley common and the path across it leading me within a hundred yards of a large cotton factory i witnessed a spectacle which to my dying day i shall never recall without a shudder there was just moon enough to show me all the dreary sternness of the scene the ground was covered with deep snow and a cutting wind blew whistling through the long line of old scotch firs which bordered an enclosure beside the road as i scudded on beneath them my eye caught the little figures of a multitude of children made distinctly visible even by that dim light by the strong relief in which their dark garments showed against the snow a few steps further brought me in full view of the factory gates and then i perceived considerably above two hundred of these miserable little victims to avarice all huddled together on the ground and seemingly half buried in the drift that was blown against them i stood still and gazed upon them i knew full well what and how great was the terror which had brought them there too soon and in my heart of hearts i cursed the boasted manufacturing wealth of england 
which running in this direction at least in a most darkened narrow channel gives power lawless and irresistible to overwhelm and crush the land it pretends to fructify while still spellbound by this appalling picture i was startled by the sound of a low moaning from the other side of the road at a short distance from me and turning towards it perceived a woman bending over a little girl who appeared sinking to the ground a few rapid steps brought me close to them and i found on examination that the child was so benumbed and exhausted as to be totally incapable of pursuing her way it was her mother who was urging her forward and who even then seemed more intent upon saving a fine than on the obvious sufferings of her sinking child i know poor wretch that little choice was left her and that the inevitable consequence of saving her from the factory and leading her gently home to such shelter as her father's roof could give would be to watch her perish there for want of food alas alas is it thus my wealth has been accumulated exclaimed miss brotherton shuddering is there no power in england sir righteous and strong enough to stay this plague miss brotherton returned the clergyman such power and such righteousness must be found or this plague as you well call it will poison the very life-blood of our political existence and long ere any serious danger is likely to be dreamed of by our heedless rulers the bloated wealth with which this pernicious system has enriched a few will prove a source of utter destruction to the many never my dear young lady did the avarice of man conceive a system so horribly destructive of every touch of human feeling as that by which the low-priced agony of labourine infants is made to eke out and supply all that is wanting to enable the giant engines of our factories to outspin all the world but you must see it miss brotherton you must watch it with your own eyes you must follow the hateful operations of this atrocious system into the thousands of sordid and forgotten huts which cover its miserable victims ere you can possibly understand its moral mischief there is no strength no power in words to paint it it's moral mischief said mary eagerly explain that to me mr bell for it is the point i find most puzzling why is it that these poor factory people because they labour more unremittingly as it should seem than all the world beside why for this reason instead of being honoured for their industry are they invariably spoken of with contempt and obloquy your question miss brotherton involves by far the most terrible portion of this frightful commercial mystery he replied but as i have told you nothing except personal investigation can enable the inquirer to arrive at the whole truth respecting it were a patient accurate and laborious detail of all the enormities committed and all the sufferings endured under the factory system to be presented to the public it would be thrown aside by some as greatly too tedious for examination and by others as a statement too atrocious to merit belief yet england must listen to it and that soon or she may mourn her negligence when it is too late to repair it that marvellous machinery of which we make our boast miss brotherton is not more perfect in its power of drawing out the delicately attenuated thread with which it is our glory to produce than the system for reducing the human labour necessary for its production to the lowest possible price is for degrading the moral nature of the helpless slaves engaged in it that the system has such a tendency i cannot doubt after the repeated assurances which have reached me that so it is replied mary nevertheless i am still unable to comprehend why it should be so you have only to take advantage of your residence near ashleigh miss brotherton the dense population of which subsists almost wholly by factory labour 
in order to understand but too well why this terrible result is inevitable you are as yet too young a lady for me to expect that you should have very deeply studied the nature of the human mind or made yourself fully aware how greatly the habits and character of all human beings depend upon education and the circumstances in which they are placed nevertheless if you turn your attention to the subject you will not young as you are be long incapable of detecting the dangers which beset the hearts and souls of those whose unhappy destiny have made them factory labourers the dark little circle in which they move from birth to death from father to son from mother to daughter is so uniform that almost any average individual case may fairly serve as a specimen of the whole class boys and girls with few exceptions labour indiscriminately all together in the factories while still almost children they form connections and are married having worked in the mills probably from five years old to the hour of their unweighed and thoughtless union the boy assumes the duties of a husband with little more knowledge of moral or religious responsibility than the brute animal that labours with a thousand times less degradation in the fields while the childish wife comes to her important task ignorant of every earthly usefulness save what belongs to the mechanical drudgery in which throughout the whole of her short sad life she has been made to follow the uniform and ceaseless movements of machinery she cannot sew she cannot cook she cannot iron she cannot wash her mind is yet more untaught and undisciplined than her hands she is conscious of no responsibility she knows no law by which to steer her actions or regulate her spirit and becomes a mother as she became a wife without one single thought of duty mixing itself with her increasing cares by degrees both the husband and the wife find employment in the factory less certain it is for children 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 that the unwearied engine calls and keenly does the hungry father and the mother too watch the growth of the little creatures to whom they have given birth till the slight limbs have firmness enough to stand and the delicate joints are sufficiently under the command of the frightened will to tie threads together under the potent inspiration of the overlooker's strap then comes a state of deeper degradation still the father is idle for often he can get no work and it is to the labour of his little ones that he looks for bread nature recoils from the spectacle of their unnatural or laboured aspect as they return from their thirteen fourteen fifteen hours of toil he has not nerve to look upon it and creeps to the gin-shops till they are hid in bed the mother sees it all and sternly screws her courage to the task of lifting their bruised and weary limbs upon their bed of straw putting in their mouths the food she has prepared their weary eyes being already closed in sleep and preparing herself to wake before the sun on the morrow that with unrelenting hand she may drag them from their unfinished slumber and drive them forth again to get her food this is no varnished tale miss brotherton but the bare naked hideous truth and can you wonder that beings thus reared and ripened should form a degraded class can you wonder that all others should turn from them as from a race with whom they have nothing in common if some sad accident preceding birth disturbs the beautiful process by which nature prepares the noble being she has made to be lord of all and an abortive creature comes to life curtailed of all its fair proportions both of mind and body all within reach of the hapless prodigies shudder as they mourn and the best and wisest among them pray to god that its span of life be short but believe me when i tell you miss brotherton that the effect which the factories of this district is producing upon above two hundred thousand of its population 
is beyond all calculation more deplorable and many a child is born amongst them whose destiny if fairly weighed against that of such as one as i have described would appear incomparably more terrible can such things be and the rulers of the land sit idly by to witness it cried mary shuddering it seems as if the rulers of the land knew little and cared less about it replied mr bell the profoundly ignorant opinion that there is some connection between our national prosperity and the enormous fortunes amassed by some score of north country manufacturers has i believe produced much of the lamentable non-interference of which the disinterested few complain who are near enough to look upon the frightful game some individual voices have been most gloriously raised on this tremendous theme and if they will be steadfast and enduring they must and will prevail for human nature with all its vices is not framed to look coldly on such horrors and permit them but the remedial process is so slow it is so difficult to arouse the attention and awaken the feelings of busy men concerning things at a distance whose connection with all that they deem important they are too ignorant of or too preoccupied to trace that the keenest observers and those who would the most deeply deprecate any remedy but a legal one begin to fear that mercy will be clamoured for with very dangerous rudeness before the parliament of england shall have roused up its wisdom to the task of affording it and in what way mr bell is it wished or hoped that the legislature should step forward to cure this dreadful evil is it proposed to abolish the use of machinery mr bell smiled and shook his head you perhaps think said he that there is a great disproportion between my strong sense of the vice and suffering produced by the factory system and the measure for its mitigation to which i now limit almost my wishes but it would be vain to look back to the time when steam-engines were not and there would indeed be little wisdom in addressing our lamentations to their introduction it is not the acquisition of any natural power principle or faculty that we should deplore all such on the contrary should be hailed as part and parcel of our magnificent birthright and each new use we learn to make of the still much unknown creation around us ought to be welcomed with a shout of praise as a fresh fulfilment of the supreme command replenish the earth and subdue it it is not from increased or increasing science that we have anything to dread it is only from a fearfully culpable neglect of the moral power that should rule and regulate its uses that it can be other than one of god's best gifts but how demanded mary how if machinery continues to be used can an act of parliament prevent the necessity of employing children to wait upon its operations instead of requiring the strength of men as heretofore to perform what the steam-engine does in their place no act of parliament can be conceived capable of inducing a manufacturer to employ the weaker and at the same time the more costly agent in preference to a more powerful and cheaper one replied mr bell no reasonable man would ask this no reasonable man would desire it and assuredly no reasonable man would attempt to enforce such an absurdity by law no miss brotherton this mighty power as surely given for our use as is the innocent air that fans the woodbine yonder has at length after some few thousand years of careless overlooking on our part been revealed to us but let us not fly in the face of benignant nature and say like caliban you taught me language and my prophet aunt is i know how to curse if used aright there cannot be a doubt that this magnificent power might in all its agencies be made the friend of man 
it requires no great stretch of ingenuity to conceive that it might be rendered at once a source of still increasing wealth to the capitalist and of lightened labour to the not impoverished operative but that as things are at present this great discovery and all the admirable ingenuity with which it is applied acts as a ban instead of a blessing upon some hundred thousands of miserable victims is most true while all the benefit that can be shown as a balance to this horror is the bloated wealth of a small knot of master manufacturers but so monstrous is this evil that its very atrocity inspires hope from the improbability that when once beyond all reach of contradiction its existence shall be known by all men it should be permitted to continue then why is it not known demanded mary her colour heightened as she remembered her own entire ignorance upon the subject a few short weeks before surely it is the duty of all lookers-on to proclaim it to the whole world alas miss brotherton it is more easy to raise a voice than to command attention to it loud and long must be the cry that shall awaken the indifferent and rouse the indolent to action but this loud long cry will be uttered and by the blessing of god it will be listened to at last but tell me mr bell resumed his deeply interested auditor what is this moderate enactment in mitigation of these wretched people's sufferings which you say would content you all that we ask for replied mr bell all that the poor creatures ask for themselves is that by act of parliament it should be rendered illegal for men women and children to be kept to the wearying unhealthy labour of the mills for more than ten hours out of every day leaving their daily wages at the same rate as now and would that suffice demanded miss brotherton with astonishment to effectually relieve the horrors you have been describing to me miss brotherton it would replied the clergyman i would be loath to weary you with details he continued but a few items may suffice to make you see how enormous are the benefits which would follow such an enactment at present if a large demand for manufactured goods arises instead of being as it ought a blessing to the industrious hands that must supply it it comes upon them as a fearful burden threatening to crush the very springs of life in the little creatures that are chiefly to sustain it while the golden harvest that brings it is not for them but for their masters for the miserable need of an extra penny or sometimes three halfpence a day the young slaves who observe have no power of choice for if they or their parents for them refuse they are instantly turned off to literal starvation no parish assistance being allowed to those who resist the regulations of the manufacturers for this wretched equivalent for health and joy are compelled whenever our boasted trade flows briskly to stand to their work for just as many hours as the application of the overlooker's strap or billy-roller can keep them on their legs innumerable instances are on record of children falling from excessive weariness on the machinery and being called to life by its lacerating their flesh it continually happens that young creatures under fifteen years of age are kept from their beds all night fifteen sixteen seventeen hours of labour out of the twenty-four are cases which recur continually and i need not say with what effect upon these victims of ferocious avarice now not only would all this be mended the positive bodily torture spared and as far as is consistent with constant indoor occupation the health of the labourers preserved were it made unlawful to keep them at positive labour for more than ten hours of every day not only would all this follow from the enactment but innumerable other advantages some of them more important still would beyond all question be its consequence in the first place 
were there no power of executing great and sudden orders by irregular exactions of labour the recurrence of those fearful intervals when the starving operatives are thrown out of employ by the accidents which cause a deficiency in the demand would not happen for in that case the capitalists would find themselves obliged to be beforehand with the demand even though some portion of their enormous wealth should for a time lie idle from this would also follow the necessity of often employing adult hands where now the cheaper labour of children forced from their very vitals through the day and night may be had for the sin of demanding it then would the unnatural spectacle of a stalwart father idly waiting to snatch the wages from the little feverish hand of his o'er-laboured child be seen no more then would there be strength and spirits left in the young to profit by the sunday schools now so often ostentatiously opened in vain because the only way in which a little piecer can keep holiday is by lying throughout the day stretched upon his straw in heavy sleep then too the demoralizing process by which the heart of a mother is rendered hard as the nether millstone by the necessity of goading her infants to their frightful toil would cease boys and girls would no longer have to return to their homes at midnight there would be time and inclination then for those comfortable operations of the needle and the shears which make old clothes look amazed as weal as new then would not the disheartened ministers of god's church strive in vain to make the reckless joyless worthless race listen to his words of faith and hope then miss brotherton they would arise from that state of outcast degradation which has caused your friends to tell you that it would be unsafe improper and altogether wrong for you and such as you to make personal acquaintance with them and do you really think that all this mighty this glorious good would follow from an enactment so moderate so reasonable so every way unobjectionable i have not the slightest shadow of a doubt miss brotherton that such good would follow it and more much more than i have named more than any one could believe or comprehend who has not like myself been watching for years the misery the vice the degradation which have resulted from the want of it then why mr bell have not such representations been made to the legislature as must ensure its immediate adoption the good clergyman shook his head it is a most natural question my dear young friend allow me so to call you all are my friends who feel upon this subject as you appear to do it is a most natural and most obvious question yet would my reply be anything rather than easy of comprehension were i to attempt to answer it directly i sincerely hope i shall converse with you again on this subject documents are not wanting my dear miss brotherton to prove that all or nearly all that private individuals can do in the way of petition and remonstrance has been already tried nor are we yet without hope that good may come of it but it must be long and perhaps the longer the better ere your young head and innocent heart can conceive our difficulties you would hardly believe the ingenious devices to which frightened avarice can have recourse in order to retard mutilate and render abortive a measure having for its object a reduction of profits with no equivalent save the beholding smiles instead of tears and hearing the sounds of song and laughter instead of groans but while you are still waiting and hoping for this aid from our lawgivers said mary is there nothing that can be done in the interval to help all this misery mr bell nothing effectual my dear young lady he replied mournfully i may with no dishonest boasting say that my life is spent in doing all i can to save these unhappy people from utter degradation and despair 
but the oppression under which they groan is too overwhelming to be removed or even lightened by any agency less powerful than that of the law nothing in fact can so clearly show the powerful oppression of the system as the total inefficiency of individual benevolence to heal the misery of those who suffer under it its power is stupendous awful terrible nature herself elsewhere so omnipotent here feels the strength of unchecked human wickedness and seems to bend before it for most certain is it that in less than half a century during which the present factory system has been in operation the lineaments of the race involved in it are changed and deteriorated the manufacturing population are of lesser and of weaker growth than their agricultural countrymen the development of the intellectual faculties is obviously becoming weaker and many whom we have every reason to believe understand the physiology of man as thoroughly as science can teach it to them do not scruple to assert that if the present system continues the race of english factory operatives will dwindle and sink in the strongly graduated scale of human beings to something lower than the eskimo gracious heaven cried mary clasping her hands with an emotion that almost amounted to agony and all these horrors are perpetrated for the sake of making rich needlessly uselessly rich a few obscure manufacturing families like my own this is very dreadful sir she continued while tears burst from her eyes i have gained knowledge but not peace by my visit and i must leave you with the sad conviction that the hope i had nourished of making my fortune useful to the suffering creatures among whom i live is vain and idle mr bell listened to this melancholy assertion and sighed because he could not contradict it yes said he at length it is even so and if any proof were wanted of the depth and hopelessness of the wretchedness which the present system produces it might be found in the fact that despite the inclination i feel both for your sake and that of the poor operatives to encourage your generous benevolence i cannot in all conscience tell you that it is in your power effectually to assist them that you may save your own excellent heart from the palsy of hopeless and helpless pity by the indulgence of your benevolence in individual cases of distress i need not point out to you but that any of the ordinary modes of being useful on a larger scale such as organizing schools founding benefit societies or the like could be of any use to beings so crushed so toil-worn and so degraded it would be idle to hope miss brotherton now rose to depart but as she extended her hand and began to utter her farewell it occurred to her that it was possible her new friend might by conjecture at least throw some light upon the destination of little michael and avoiding as much as possible the making any direct charge against her rich neighbour she briefly narrated the facts of michael's adoption dismissal and unknown destination with little commentary on either but concluded by saying the mother of the child is in great anxiety about him and though i cannot conceive it possible any harm can have befallen the boy i am in some sort a fellow-sufferer with her in the anxiety which this mystery occasions from having almost pledged myself to learn the place of his destination can you dear sir suggest to me any means by which this information can be obtained some part of this history has reached us already replied mr bell it has been somewhat industrially bruited through the neighbourhood that sir matthew dowling notoriously one of the most tyrannical millocrats in the whole district has been moved to kindness on behalf of some poor widow's son and taken him to be reared and educated with his own children i trust i am excusable knowing what i know for misdoubting the disinterested benevolence of any act of sir matthew dowling's nevertheless it is certainly not easy to perceive why 
after having so ostentatiously distinguished the boy he should kidnap him as it were from his own house in order to get rid of him if instead of being the object of a special favour the little fellow had fallen under the rich knight's displeasure miss brotherton i should think it by no means improbable that he might have consigned him as an apprentice to some establishment too notorious for its severity to make it desirable that his selection of it should be made known but of this there seems neither proof nor likelihood miss brotherton turned pale as she listened to this suggestion nay but there is both truth and likelihood in such a suspicion she exclaimed with considerable emotion and after a moment's consideration added i know no reason why i should conceal the cause i have for saying so if you know not all how can you give me counsel hurriedly and as briefly as possible miss brotherton then recounted the scene she had witnessed in the green-room of the dowling lodge theatricals but there was an unconscious and involuntary fervour in her manner of narrating it which rendered it impossible to listen with indifference or not to feel at the recital some portion of the indignation she had felt when it occurred it must be looked to miss brotherton replied her warm-hearted new acquaintance the boy must be traced tracked found and rescued i think there are few of these wretched prison-houses of whose existence i am ignorant and it is probable i may be able to help you in this should i obtain any hint likely to be useful in the search i will call upon you if you will give me leave to communicate it most earnestly and truly did the heiress assure him that it was impossible she could receive a visit more calculated to give her pleasure adding that whether the hint were obtained or not she trusted the acquaintance she had so unceremoniously began would not drop here and that by returning her visit he would prove to her that he was not displeased by it it rarely happens between right-hearted people who meet for the first time if one of the parties conceives a liking for the other that it fails to prove mutual and it was with a cordial sincerity as genuine as her own that mr bell expressed his hope that their acquaintance would ripen into friendship too intently occupied by all that had passed to remember her own arrangements mary forgot that her carriage was not at the door and while these parting words were exchanged walked forth expecting to find it it was mrs tremlett who first recollected that the coachman had been ordered to put up his horses at the nearest inn but this was not till they had traversed the little garden and were already in the lane for though the good nurse had been little more than personnage muet during the foregoing scene she had taken a deep interest in it and it was much with the air of one awakening from a dream that she said my dear miss mary you have forgot that the carriage is sent away indeed i have said mary laughing and no wonder but there stands our faithful william he will tell us in what direction we may find it will you not return miss brotherton while it is made ready said the clergyman not if you will walk on with us dear sir the evening is delightful but already quite far enough advanced to make it prudent not to lose any time and having given orders that the carriage was to follow they strolled on towards the turnpike there said mr bell pointing to the towering chimneys of a large factory at some distance there miss brotherton is an establishment where though carding and spinning go on within the walls and some hundreds of children and young girls are employed in attending the machinery that performs the process the voice of misery is never heard for there the love of gold is chained and held captive by religion and humanity thank god exclaimed mary as she looked at the sinless monster to which he pointed it is not of necessity then that this dangerous trade is fatal to all employed in it certainly not for but its labours restricted both for young and old to ten hours a day 
there is no reason on earth why it should not be carried on with comfort and advantage to every individual concerned in it and with credit honour and prosperity to the country but you can hardly guess what uphill work it is when one good man has got to stand alone and breast the competition of a whole host of bad ones in his commercial enterprises the high-minded owners of yonder factory are losing thousands every year by their efforts to purify this traffic of its enormities and some thousand small still voices call down blessings on them for it but while it costs them ten shillings to produce what their neighbours can bring in to the market for nine they will only be pointed at as pitiably unwise in their generation by all the great family of mammon which surrounds them few alas will think of following the example all they can do therefore is in fact but to carry on a system of private charity on an enormous scale but till they are supported by law even their vast efforts and most noble sacrifices can do nothing towards the general redemption of our poor northern people from the state of slavery into which they have fallen and yet i do believe miss brotherton he continued after a pause i do most truly believe that these greedy tyrants would fail more rarely than now they do in their efforts to realize enormous wealth if the system were to undergo exactly the change we ask for the plan of underselling may indeed in some few instances enable a very lucky man to run up a blood-stained fortune and blood-stained it must be for whenever this method of commanding a sale is pursued and ruin does not ensue it is demonstrable that the bones and marrow of children working unlimited hours must have been the main agent in the operation but it is quite certain that the underselling system must upon the long run be ruinous if all the losses upon our production were fairly set against all the gains from the immoderate working of young hands the slavery scheme would appear as little profitable as holy ah but here is your carriage my dear young lady god bless you and may we live to rejoice together over an effectual legislative remedy for the evils we have passed this our first interview in deploring so saying he extended his hand to assist her into the carriage which had already drawn up beside them but miss brotherton stepped aside while he performed this office to her friend and then laying her hand on his arm drew him back a step or two to the spot from whence the factory chimneys he had pointed out to her were visible tell me before we part she said the names of those to whom that building belongs wood and walker replied the clergyman thank you she replied i shall never hear those names without breathing a blessing on them friendly farewells were once more exchanged and the meditative heiress was driven back to milford park in silence so profound that her old friend believed her to be asleep and carefully abstained from any movement that might awaken her but mary brotherton was not asleep End of chapter 19